Thanks for tuning into the Gale Ventures podcast, coming to you from the Heinz Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Iona University. This podcast is for small business owners, innovators, side hustlers, and anyone who's experienced the challenges and rewards of being an entrepreneur. We talk about the good, the bad, mistakes made, and best practices for starting and running a small business. I'm your host, Rob Kistner, and today we're joined by our co-host, Rihanna Khan, and our guest is Carissa Eckelhoff, a corporate event planner turned wedding planner and the owner and lead planner behind Simply Loved Weddings. Simply Loved is a growing wedding and event planning company based out of the Hudson Valley. After spending time working in both Manhattan's bridal industry as well as the corporate event industry, Carissa decided to combine the love she had for both and started planning weddings in 2018. Like she tells her couples, she is unapologetically authentic, wildly outgoing, and can't take a good candid to save her life. Like her, love is quirky and unique, and she encourages every couple to embrace that when planning their big day. Carissa, how are you? Thanks so much for joining us. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Rihanna, how are you today? Doing well. Super excited for today's podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Now, one thing that we didn't include in your bio is you're also an alum from Iona. Isn't that right? I am. Go Gales. And what did you uh, major in at Iona? Uh, Business management. I was very close to a minor in marketing. Awesome. Awesome. Um, So obviously, we talked a little bit about your business. You're in the event planning business, but tell us a little bit more about it in your own words. Yeah. So I fell in love with events very early on, knew it was always something I was going to do. And then in college, made a pivot, worked in bridal and kind of fell in love with both. So I worked in corporate America for a little bit, planning uh, events, normally supporting sales teams events. And then in 2018, after continually telling myself, once I pay off student debt, I'll start a business, all of this, I was like, let's just do it. And at 23, I jumped in two feet and started a business. And now I'm planning weddings and loving every moment of it. You know, it's so it's so awesome like that you had all of this work experience, and I'm going to call it quote unquote, on the job training in planning events and in sort of the wedding business. So you were able to like, draw in all of this inside information, start building a network. Like, I feel like that's advice that a lot of folks overlook when wanting to start a business, it's like work in the industry a little bit, get your feet wet, really understand the ins and outs. And I love that that was your approach to starting your business. Yeah, I think back on it. There's times where I'm like, I wish I would have started the business sooner. You know, I could be, it's the what ifs. I could be so much further along in the career by now. But thinking back as to all of the valuable knowledge I learned and the mistakes I made in corporate America, I don't know if I still would be in business if I didn't have that experience. How did you decide to pursue your idea? What was the first um, steps that you took in doing so? Yeah. So I had originally started by thinking, oh, I'll reach out to some local planners. I'll start working for them. It just didn't work out. And I decided let's just do it on my own. First kind of steps I made were I probably spent like three weeks trying to come up with a name, um, which is the toughest part. Once I came up with a name, I had kind of just started talking to people throughout that process that I knew who had either started a small business or were in the industry and was like, this is what I'm doing. Any advice? Um, And then a florist who I also grew up with reached out to me and is like, I know you're doing wedding planning, you're starting a company, would you coordinate my wedding day of? And so that was like my first, my first wedding out on my own, doing it, you know, there were definitely some lessons learned, but it was a great experience to be able to do it for another wedding vendor, and then also a friend. I love that. <laughs> so so in like, 
going out on your own um, and doing this first event, um, you know, did you leverage the network that you had built in sort of being in the event and wedding industry prior to going out on your own? I did a little bit. I think not at first. And that wasn't because I didn't want to. It was because I totally forgot I could do that. So it's that pure moment of like, (laughs) started a business, you know, you're like high on this, like, oh my God, I started a business. And then you're also like, oh shit, I started a business. So there was that pure moment of like, okay, wait, this is reality. Come back down to earth. And then started reaching out to people I knew just asking them, hey, like, where do you get referrals? What do you do? What have you learned? Um, And then a lot of it too was just like, essentially like cold Instagram messaging to people and being like, do you want to grab coffee? Do you want to chat? And picking people's brains. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because we talk about that like at least three times in previous episodes, uh, but on LinkedIn. But that like, that cold reach out, whatever that is, LinkedIn, Instagram, a cold call with the intention of just having a conversation People are so scared about that. But like, how many times did you get told no? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I got told no, how many times I just didn't get a message. And you can see when they read it too. So the amount of like times your heart sinks a little when you see like scene and you're like, okay, well, thanks. (laughs) Um, But it's like the more you just do it. I'm like, okay, nothing personal against it. Like they're not the person I wanted to talk to anyway. Yeah. And and like th- th- my point was like the worst thing that could happen is someone ignores you. It's not like, like, okay, yeah. so you have your ego bruised a little bit, but like for five people or 10 people that ignore you and one person says, sure, like that's a huge win. Like you now have insight into the industry. You have a contact that you've made that you can probably follow up with questions. And it's not like you're asking for money. You're just asking for someone's time. I'll buy you a cup of coffee and I want to pick your brain about the industry. And it's like people, a lot of folks we work with get nervous about that, but you really shouldn't be. It's really important to just like get out there and try and have those conversations with people. I'm interested to know, did you have like a certain strategy on how you found um, the folks to reach out to or anything? I did. And that was a growing experience. So I kind of went with in the wedding industry Um, especially like five, six years ago, there were like big players in the game. You had the not wedding wire. You had all of these different places where like you marketed yourself. This is where you're going to find your couples. So going into it, that's what I did. I went into all of these like well-known brands, what everyone says you have to do. And I found some couples. Um, I found a decent chunk of my couples. Were they probably the great, the best fit? No. So that strategy has evolved since then. Um, it kind of got the foot in the door, got me to learn, and then I was able to see what worked and what didn't. So, so that that's actually a good segue into another question. Like, you talked about, you know, some of the couples that you work with were not like your perfect couples to work with. Like, who is the ideal couple for you to work with for simply loved weddings? Yeah, so it's that everyday working couple. Like, you're both have jobs. You both like to hang out. You have a social life. Um, or you just like to hang out together. You are excited about love, but you also don't want to let this wedding consume your entire lives. So a lot of my couples will meet up for coffee or we'll meet up at a brewery and we'll kind of chat and plan their wedding. And so they can go live their lives and take on that fun aspect of it. But then I can sit and answer all of the emails or do like the four hours of looking into what kind of chair or plate you want. 
Um, so they're not busy, like that busy, you know, we're excited to get married, but we also want to live our lives. How was the process of discovering that that was sort of your niche or your sweet spot? It was tough. Um, there were <laughs> like, I, there were a lot of moments of like tears in the car, tears in the house, like working with couples who weren't, weren't a great fit for me. I wasn't a great fit for them. Um, and then there was also like those moments of joy where I was like, holy cow, like I do not want, like, I'm happy you're getting married, but I do not want your wedding to come and go. So it was that, it was just trial and error of like, okay, this couple, we weren't a great fit. Let me think about like the process. What wasn't a great fit about it? Was it personalities? Was it what they were looking for? Was it the location? And I made a list of that. And then when I had a couple that I was like, this was the most amazing experience, I made the same kind of list. And then as I've meet, met with couples moving forward, I just ask them questions that'll give me the answers as to whether or not they'd fit in either category. Yeah, that's that's. I feel like that's such an important thing for a business owner to discover because when you're first starting out, like you take whatever business walks in the door, and yeah. you know during certain times, like I was in the music business, I managed a recording studio in the summer of 2008 during the economic downturn, and like we would just take whoever walked through the door who had the money to pay for studio time, and it was not fulfilling work, but you know, when you're starting out, you just kind of like you take whoever comes, but you know, you'll learn really quickly that there are certain types of customers that like are just not a good fit and it won't work out and no one will leave happy. And it's like, it's kind of hard to get to that tipping point to say like, I'm going to start saying no to people. Like I'm now comfortable saying no to people because I figured out, you know, who's the right fit and I've got enough revenue coming in to at least make ends meet. Um, so that's great. It's great to really niche down and know like who your perfect customer is. And anybody out there that's starting to think about starting a business, like put some time into figuring that out. And you're going to, you're going to mess up a lot when you're trying to figure that out. And it just comes with the territory. Oh yeah. It's six years in and I still mess up. So yeah, it, it just, it just comes with the territory and you know what, like good on you to admit that, right? Like yeah. it's so easy to just like, Oh, I'm planning weddings and everything's perfect and it's all great. And it's like, that's not really what it's like. It's, yeah. it's hard and everybody makes mistakes. So there's also an essence of like trust between that the couple has to have with you. Um, in order to pull this off, it, can you talk a little bit about um, how you're able to build the trust with um, your couples? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely, I always say to my couples, I say, there's, you know, you have all these wedding planners that help bring your day together, but there's wedding planners who you're going to spend your most time with. Your planner's one and your photographer is another one. You're going to have the most in person time with them. You, first off, just want to make sure your personalities match. And I think having a personality that matches with your couple and then vice versa, that just builds the ground to the trust. Like if you come in and it's just not a perfect match, you're already a little like, oh, this doesn't feel right. There's like that little seed of doubt in there. And then just continuing to guide them. I've also learned um, when I'm initially talking to couples or when we first do that introduction call to see what their what their communication style is, their learning style. And change maybe my style of communicating or my style of showing them things and explaining them, explaining things to them to a way that'll make sense for them. Um, also, just being as transparent as possible. Like there are some couples who are like, I would love for you to CC me on every email. I would, you know, I want to be a part of this process. And you know, to a certain extent, I'm like, yeah, sure, this is completely fine. And then there's other couples who are like we really just, this is what we want, help us make it. And it's kind of also respecting their wishes, but being honest with them. I tell my couples too, I'm like, I will come out and tell you if you're being, if you're, you know, being crazy about things or you're like, 
micromanaging or you want something that I'm like, we have a 2K budget and that is a 200K want. So I'm always going to be honest with them. And I think telling them that from even before they book from that consultation, it it builds that trust too. Like this girl's going to, she's going to tell me how it is. Yeah, I completely agree. It makes me think about the um, veteran work that Rob and I are doing right now with the Community Navigator pilot program. Um, I feel like the clients that we have end up trusting us a lot because we're in it with them. And even though we may not know all the answers to everything, but we're willing to go with them through the process and finding it out. So it's, it's, it's great to see that. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, I think it ultimately, like, like you said, Chris, it's about being transparent, but like, you know, to Rihanna's point, like it's about managing expectations. Like when we, when I first got started working with veterans, like I was new to the veteran entrepreneurship space. And like the first thing I said to everybody is like, here's how the program works. And I'm going to be the first to admit that I don't know everything, but we've got a lot of resources that we have access to. And we're in this process with you. And like, that's a great trust builders just to get out in front of, you know, owning the fact that you're not an expert and that like, not everything's going to be perfect and just being realistic, you know? Oh yeah. And that's, I mean, we work with vendors too. I'm always like, I'm not an expert in florals, but I know some experts in florals that I can, uh, connect you with. Yeah. I think the other, the other part of trust building with customers, like especially in service-based businesses, but in anything is like, you know, uh, if something goes wrong, if something doesn't go to plan, like get out in front of that and own that and just be really upfront and transparent and communicative. And like, you know, most reasonable people know that things go wrong, like nothing's perfect. And, you know, if you own it and work on solutions and provide options, there's really nothing else that you can do. And it usually works out and like creates a much more solid working relationship out of that. Yeah. It's better than being honest than, um, just acting like, you know, everything and then everything hits the fan. So, yep. <laughs> I've definitely made that mistake before in my younger years. Um, so, uh, let, let's, let's, let's keep, keep going on this, on this, uh, this, this wavelength of, of like making mistakes you know, what's been one of the most challenging or like one of the, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use the word worst, but one of the most challenging experience as a business owner to date? I think it's taking things personally. So it's like you, this business is your baby. You put your blood, sweat and tears into it and you're providing a service for people and you're trying, you're trying to manage a lot. You're trying to manage providing the service, running a business, having a life, being a human so any small little mistake you make, which might not even be a mistake, but to you, it's a mistake. It's like internalizing that and letting it affect your work. I mean, I, I did it a lot in the beginning and I still do it. And I don't know if I'll ever not do it. But I think it's the toughest part of like separating yourself from your business. And then also just reminding yourself that like, this is a business. You're bound to make mistakes. Like you... With every other business, you go to Target, you buy something, it comes broken. It's a mistake. You usually give them a free pass. You're like, hey, this, you shoot an email. Hey, this came in broken. Can you send me a new one? You could care less. And that's what some people are probably doing to you. They're like, hey, this didn't look the way I wanted it to look. No big deal. Just wanted to let you know. Absolutely. I think that's really good advice. And and it's so interesting, this this idea of sort of like separating yourself from the business um, I'm working with uh, a client in some consulting I do, and um, you know, this person uh, started the business, and it's uh, it's in it's creative in nature, and sort of like all of the processes and procedures, and and sort of like the whole 
the whole business more or less just lives in lives in his head. And he's talking about, you know, wanting to um, work on succession planning and maybe selling the business. And, and I'm like, well, we have to get this out of your head and sort of like disconnect you from the function of the business, let the business be the business and document all that. So I think like, to your point, like it's your baby. It's something you created from scratch and like you, your own personal identity in that business are one and the same for a really long time, but it gets to be a point where that needs to start to separate a little bit. And that's really not easy to do if you founded it yourself and built it from the ground up. Um, how has that process been sort of separating yourself? Is that something you're like currently actively doing, or do you feel like you're in a good spot with that? Yeah, I'm currently doing it. So my mentor actually calls it the messy middle. So I'm in that messy middle of like, I've built this business, I've established a brand, I've grown it. And, you know, you have to be full into that, full into your business to do that. Like, that's where you you kind of are one. Now I've built it, and it's time to grow and I can take a step back. But it's really hard to like separate that. I'm at that point where I'm like, just slowly letting go of things and slowly, you know, working on things, figuring out I have a team now. I'm like, what can I pass off to a team to do so that I can go out and do something or I can work on like the CEO side of things. It's tough. It's, I tried to do it like a rip the bandaid off at first and found that is not the way. So it's like just slow here and there once a week, let something go. That's, I think that's, unbelievably good advice. Like you can't do it all at once, right? You have to start with sort of the low hanging fruit and it it ultimately comes back to control, right? Because you have the highest standards. It's your business. You're going to scrutinize everything the most like, and, 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 you know, people that work for you, um, you know, they have a little bit of a different perspective on that because they didn't grow it from scratch. You did. This is your thing. And letting go of that control is really hard. I really struggled with that with my businesses as well, but you have to, sort of chip away at it. And and it's a long, slow process, but it's that old adage, right? Like you have to work on the business, not in the business. Like you don't need to be the one calling flower vendors. You need to be the one doing business development and finding bigger clients or finding new partners or whatever the case may be. Right. Oh yeah. You get there. It's, it's slow. <laughs> yeah. It's slow. It's slow. Was it hard for you in the beginning to delegate? Oh yeah. It was, it was really hard. It's, I mean, it's still even hard. I've just, I think in the last like two months really started to let go. It started off where I got a virtual assistant and I like, even to her, she'd like text me and be like, Hey, we have like six hours left for the month. Like, what can I do? And I'm like, okay, like I'll pass something small off. And then eventually it was, I mean, it was building trust and it wasn't that I didn't trust her. It was like that I didn't want to relinquish doing things. So, you know, we slowly worked there. She handles so much now, like updating documents, tedious things that I'm like, I didn't have to do. Um, it was, oh, you know, not a waste of my time, but it was a time suck to do it. And anyone could do it if they can read through an email. And then my team now, um, I've had the open, honest conversations with them. And I think that was a turning point of like, Hey, this is where I'm at. Like, I'm reluctant to give things up, but as involved as you are in what we do as wedding planners, you know what I don't need to do and what either any of us could do. So just tell me like, Hey, I want to do this. Or if I'm overstepping, I'm like, Hey, you can work on this project, but then I'm all up in your business on it. Or I'm like commenting in, I'm like, check me, like, tell me, step back, back up. I don't want you on this email. I'm making this document private. I'll let you know when it's done. 
So, and they do a good job of that. I, I love that leadership style of just like totally owning that this is something you're struggling with and bringing your team in on that. Like that level of transparency is such a trust builder amongst teams. And like, you know, I feel like it's easy as the CEO and leader of an organization with people working for you to like have this front where like you're like you got it all together and everything's going and you're working and you're doing your thing. And it's like, that's really not genuine. Like, I think it's so much more important to just like own that and be transparent with your team and like let them know that you're a regular person and you're struggling with things just like they are. I I, I love that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's a it's been liberating for me too. It's I mean, I passed a full wedding off to to one of my team members now and I was an assistant that day. And normally like a wedding day, I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm up bright and early. I'm like printing things. I'm looking at the schedule 20 million times and double checking emails. And that wedding day I woke up, I made myself breakfast. I took a shower. I checked the timeline maybe once to know when I had to be there and what the flow was. And then I showed up and I was like, wow, if I would have done this six months sooner, you know how much less stress I would have been under? (laughs) I feel like an experience like that has got to be great as well, because like you get to see someone that you've brought onto your company and trained, like see them flourish. Like that's like, that's got to make you a little bit proud to like see your team do an amazing job and you sort of just be on the sidelines and watching it happen. It is. It's like, it was such a cool experience for that. I was like, oh wow. I was like, I remember a year ago when I was, you were doing the same exact thing, but you were checking in with me every five seconds about if it was great or not. And now you're just doing it or you're even telling me, hey, can you go do that? Um, while you're handling, you know, some other big problem that might've popped up. So, you know, as a business owner, you obviously have your, your highs, your good days, seeing one of your team members flourish or whatever the case may, may be, or you have those really hard days where you have an angry customer or a vendor that didn't come through. And, you know, the, the, the hard days can get pretty hard. You know, what keeps you going? What keeps you pushing through those really challenging times? I'd say it's remembering the good times and it's hard to, I will say it's hard to do that sometimes when you're in those bad times of like, this is falling apart. I want to quit. But it's remembering all the good things. I do something which I found really helpful is anytime a couple writes me a thank you note after a wedding, I put it in a frame and I hang it on a wall. And I've got a nice little gallery wall here of like super kind words and photos of couples and memories. So when I'm having a tough time or I have to have a tough conversation or get, you know, a really rough email or, or make a mistake, I kind of look at that wall and I go, okay, this is a small, you know, a small pebble in the sea of like all of this amazing work you've done. I think that perspective is so important. Like this is just a little blip in time. And in the grand scheme of the years that you've been running your business, those notes represent all of the positive things that greatly outweigh that small little ripple in time. And it's really hard to do that in the moment, but I think visually having something like that in your workspace can, can certainly help. Um, So I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I feel like having a mindset like that is really important instead of focusing on everything that's going wrong. So, Chris, I want to change gears a little bit, and I want to talk a little bit about your time at Iona. Um, you know, you you were in the business school, you studied business. Um, how has your experience at Iona supported your entrepreneurial journey? It was amazing. If you would have asked me five years ago, I would have told you I have no clue how it supported my entrepreneurial journey. Um, but with the age and the wisdom, I now have picked up on a lot of things that I just subconsciously took away from my courses and my experience that have helped me. Um, There's, I mean, just learning about building a business. I had a lot of professors that talked about that failure, which again, when I started a business, 
totally forgot that happened. But now sitting here years later, I'm like, wait, I do remember we had an entire class about how you're basically going to fail at your business before you succeed, which I remember at the time, everyone laughed and were like, you're like kidding. You're joking. That's not how it works. How do you start a business or run a business if you fail before you succeed? (laughs) People don't realize that early stage entrepreneurship is just failure after failure after failure until you find out what works right. And like changing your mindset and embracing that is so important. So I love that the professors here kind of like planted that seed early on and now looking back on it, reflecting on it, like, oh, that makes sense. I get it now, right? (laughs) It does. It's like that. I mean, it's like, when you do with your parents where they say something to you and they're like, when you're older, you're getting it. And you're like, I'll never get that. And then you catch yourself. Like I catch myself saying stuff my dad said, and I'm like, Oh no, why? <laughs> it's, it's happening. <laughs> it's <was> true. <laughs> um, so, so one other thing I just want to share with our listeners is like, we asked how you, how Iona supported your entrepreneurial journey. But as a matter of fact, Carissa supports the entrepreneurial journeys of our students. Cause she's actually one of the mentors in the Heinz Institute mentorship program. She mentored students during the summer in our incubator um, and is continuing to support our students. So how has that experience been sort of like paying it forward to the next generation of Iona entrepreneurs? It's the coolest thing ever. It's like, I mean, we didn't have any of this when I went to Iona and I'm like every day in our household, I'm like, should I go back? Should I go back? What could I like, what could I take advantage of? But it's, it's so great to be able to pay forward what I've learned. I think I told you too, like when I first came in, I was like, my goal is kind of, if I can prevent any other young entrepreneur from crying in their car because of stress, I've done my job. Like passing any wisdom, a sounding board, just being there, whether it's like hearing an idea, sometimes you just need to like spit fire thoughts or concepts or you know, you just need to vent it out or ask questions and to be able to support someone who's on a journey that I was on. And, and not too long ago, as you know, far away as it does feel, it's an amazing feeling and an experience. Yeah. And I think like as a mentor, you know, in incubators and in accelerators in entrepreneurial mentorship, a lot of what's covered is really like nuts and bolts, product development, marketing ideas, and all that kind of stuff. And I think especially with our students who are really early on in their entrepreneurial journey, I think your approach to mentorship is really important um, in the perspective that you want to sort of like help them avoid the mistakes that you made. And and it's very genuine and it's very personal. And I, I think acknowledging that it's okay to feel stressed and it's okay to have those hard days and sort of like, I don't want to say humanize entrepreneurship, but make it more about like, owning these challenging feelings and the stress and the uncertainty, I think is great. And I think like it was clear that the students that you mentored so far, like have really enjoyed your involvement in the, in the program. And I'm really looking forward to your continued involvement in the program. So, well, this was great. I think just to tie it up, um, Clarissa, is there any advice you would give to aspiring entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that are out there right now? I'd say don't overthink it and just do it. No one goes into starting a business with all the answers. No one has a perfect plan, has it all figured out before they do it. So don't let that stop you from doing it. And then know that because no one has that full plan, you're going to make mistakes. Like your first year of business, you might have twice as many failures or twice as many, you know, bad moments than you do good moments, but that is what everyone else goes through. So Chris, is there anything else you want to share for our listeners? If you're thinking about starting a business, I guess this is the one thing I'd say, do it. Don't, 
feel like you need a plan. Don't feel like you need to spend hours, you know, coming up with the perfect brand, the perfect name, the perfect concept. As I get the bones there and build on that. Take, you know, one or two, if it's a service, take one or two clients before you figure it out. It's a product, throw it out there, see what sticks. It's one of those, like everyone tells you not to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. But I think when it comes to starting a business, throw the spaghetti at a wall and see what sticks. If it sticks, that's great. If it doesn't, find a new spaghetti or, you know, change up how you made the spaghetti. That's the best analogy I got for you on that one. Find find a new spaghetti. I think I think we're coming to like what this episode title might be. Something about throwing spaghetti. I think I think that's where we're gonna land. That's that's so good. No, but it's you're absolutely right. It was like when we had Dr. Fritz on. It's like if you want to start doing something for your business, just do it. Just start doing it and be really bad at it. And then you'll figure out what you're good at and you'll figure out what sticks, right? So well, awesome. Um, so if our um, listeners want to connect with you, where, where's the best place they can get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can head over to our website at simplylovedweddings.com. Um, you can also message us on Instagram. It's also simplylovedweddings.com or not dot com. It's at simplylovedwedding. It's the mind meld. Perfect, and we'll include those links in the show notes. So, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put the links in and make sure they're right. So, no worries. If, so, definitely uh, check those websites out and feel free to connect with um, uh, Carissa on LinkedIn. And if you're an alumni of Iona or a current Iona student, definitely get in touch with Carissa. She's an absolutely awesome mentor. Um, and um, yeah, definitely definitely check her stuff out. It's it's awesome. Well, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to stay up to date on new episodes. And if you really like this episode, we would greatly appreciate it if you shared it with a friend or colleague. And if you're listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. It would really help us out. Thanks for tuning into the Gal Ventures podcast. Keep getting out there and doing the good work and throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, Carissa. Thanks, Rihanna. Thank you. See you next time.